Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports. I'm Ryan Drury. I'll be joined as always by Clarky and Steve Sabrin. Very pleased to have our friend Don Landry, freelance columnist and broadcaster and longtime morning host on the Fan 590 to join us to relive a great Scotty's Tournament of Hearts with Team Einerson defending their title. We'll also preview the Briar, of course, and talk a little bit about the Toronto sports scene overall. Exciting times to be a Toronto sports fan. At the end of the show, we will chat as always with our wagering expert, Chris Abbott, about favorites for the Briar upcoming and of course some MLB futures that I laid some cash down on we'll see what Chris thinks of my betting acumen tonight on MWO sports brought to you by coolbet.co this is MWO sports Welcome back to another week here on MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury alongside Clarky and Steve Sabrin. We're very pleased to be joined by another great special guest, freelance columnist and broadcaster and longtime morning man on Fan 590. Many of you will remember this guy, Don Landry, joins us. Don, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks uh, for having me, guys. A pleasure to be here, although I have to say... I- I'm looking at this. You guys got good setups, good lighting. This is pretty pathetic, don't you think? I could have... I could have done a little better than this, maybe. I don't mind. The artwork in the back is nice. It's a good-looking little painting you got there. Yeah. Your beautiful Stratford. There's nothing to complain about. That's not yeah. too bad. Is that some yeah. self-work? Did you paint that yourself? I mean, if oh, it yeah, is, of course I did. Yeah, no, yes, yes. Uh, Clarky will attest. I mean, I'm uh, an accomplished artist. The walls <laughs> with the band, just like masterpieces that I would paint in the morning. Isn't that right, Chris? That is right. But I want to know what brought you to Stratford, Don. That's a great question. Uh, in all seriousness, I think it was, it was just time to leave to Toronto after my time finished at the fan. My wife, Ann, and I stayed there for a while. And then we started thinking, all right, could we live more cheaply? Could I still work? Could we have, you know, some fun? We we thought about some different places. And one of them we, we thought of was Stratford because we liked coming down to see the theater all the time. Mm-hmm. So we moved down, took an apartment. And then after about six months, decided, yeah, we're going to hang out here. Because, uh, you know, we can walk down the street to see some world-class theater. And there are great restaurants here and things like that. So that's, it was as simple as that. That's awesome. Well, hey, the Festival City is not a bad place to be. It's a beautiful part of the world. Uh, Don, speaking of beautiful, another great Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. I mean, it was a fantastic tournament. And Carrie Einerson was pretty dominant throughout the tournament going back to back. I mean, a pretty impressive showing by her and her crew. It's a really good team, and um, you know I, they kind of got it together as the week went on. But they, that was the team that was probably the most together from the get-go, and we're in weird times, right? I mean, a lot of these players would have come in to this tournament having played sixty or sixty-five games in a season, but instead, this was like the, the first action of the year. So I thought what we saw early on a lot of guessing, a lot of head scratching, some missed shots, and things like that, but. The cream rose to the top, and the defending champs were were pretty good, as I said, most of the week, and and pretty terrific on finals night, and and that was enough for them, even though you know they kind of let it get away from them late in the game. They did, and you know Rachel Holman and uh, and Emma Miskew, they are a dynamic duo, though, aren't they? Like they've they they are so good, they could go down in my mind as one of the best duos of of women's curling of all time. Yeah, I mean, and again, so they've been to how many Scotty's finals now? I think it's six or six, seven yeah. and won three of them. Uh, and they they played well again, it, being together for 20 years or so, playing since they were juniors. They really know each other. There have been other changes to that Ontario team. But 
uh, not there. Uh, and, and you can't imagine anybody else playing with either of them, seeing the two of them discussing things in the house as we get to late stones, like it would just be weird if either of them were happened to be playing with anybody else. I mean, stranger things have happened. We've, we've seen these uh, longtime partnerships sometimes break up after many, many years, but uh, I don't know that too many have outlasted what uh, Emma Miskew and Rachel Homan have put together. And, and for Rachel to play the way she did, you know, the entire tournament in that final, eight months pregnant, play, what is it, 13, 14 games, still shooting yeah. really well. But she's a skip. Like, let's let's be serious. She just holds the broom and shoots a couple of rocks and in, right? Okay, like, there's no sweeping. There's no sweeping. But no, I, I get it. But it's cool, like to be eight months pregnant and be able to to curl at that level. Like that's that's awesome. Yeah, amazing stuff. Uh, and uh, I think we're going to see the same this kind of thing with the Briars. We're going to see a bunch of really good teams who are going to get out there who haven't played all that much. And so they're going to probably struggle for a little while. And who's going to be able to shake the rust off uh, more quickly than the rest of them? Um, that's going to be the big question because, I mean, you've got to get to that final eight. And if you, even if you stumble in a field like this one that we're, we're going to see at the Briar, if you stumble early, you're not even going to make it to the final eight. So uh, whoever can handle it from the get-go the best is, uh, is, uh, is going to have a better chance to get to that eight and then to the final three. Uh, Don, what's your opinion on the, uh, on the setup? the bubble and everything with how the tournament was run. Um, have you heard anything about success stories or here's what something will change for the briar? Haven't heard that anything's going to change for the briar. And I wouldn't suspect that they would change too much because things went really well at the Scotties. They had one early health scare, uh, which they thought was food poisoning, but they went, okay, well, we can't take any chances here. We've got to go through the protocols. And so they, they postponed a game that was supposed to be played on the Saturday and moved it to the Monday. It turned out it was food poisoning. And that was really the only thing that happened uh, at the Scotties. Uh, there, there were no COVID cases reported at all. Um, the players got a lot of credit for really sticking to protocols. Curling Canada did a nice job along with the health officials in Alberta, and they were pretty strict about it. I'm told that, like, the teams get together on the ice and they play together and they, you know, you see them out there without masks and that. But when the game is over, they go to their separate hotel rooms and they, they can't even go and visit each other in their hotel rooms, which is something. So they're pretty serious about all of that. And it led to success. And here's hoping they can continue that through the briar and then onward into mixed doubles. And then, of course, the uh, World Men's Championship is supposed to be played there and a couple of Grand Slam events after that. You spoke earlier about some guys who uh, might have to shake the rust off. Tell us about the Wayne Madaw, Glenn Howard story. And it's a wild one, isn't it? Isn't it something? I mean, you remember like a few years ago, Wayne Madaw yeah. was supposed to play in the Briar with Glenn Howard as his yeah. vice. And then he had a skiing accident. It was a bad one. He ended up breaking his leg badly. And he had like three screws put in his knee. He had two more screws put in his ankle and a 15 inch metal rod put in his left leg. The screws all came out. The rod is still in there. He retired. He said that, you know, I, I wasn't even really thinking about the game all that much. I wasn't going to play. I didn't go into a curling club, nothing like that. Um, but three years ago, and a Hasselborgs team from Sweden phoned him and said, do you want to try some coaching at least? And he went, sure. And he liked it. And then one day they just kind of forced him to shoot again. They said, We're, we've had it with you just telling us what to do and you never show us or prove that you can still do it. So he shot during practice and said it kind of rekindled something. He got back into it a little bit at, you know, at our level, you know, where we play club, 
you know, club leagues and things like that. And then Glenn Howard has a snowmobile accident about five weeks ago, breaks some ribs and says, you want to skip at the briar? And Madad first said, no, I, I don't think I'm your guy. But uh, Team Howard convinced him that he should do it. And so there he is. They expect that he'll probably skip the entire event, although Howard's getting better. So we'll see how it goes. If, if Madaw curls well, then they'll go coast to coast with him. If he struggles early, then maybe Glenn will hop in there. We'll see. We're chatting with freelance columnist and broadcaster, longtime Fan 590 morning man, Don Landry. Don, let's talk a bit about the Briar and the rest of the field. I mean, like you said, it's going to be a rusty situation for some teams, just like it was for the ladies at the Scotties. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see who can kind of catch fire early. Who are some of the favorite teams that you see that could potentially shoot for the title here? I think, Ryan, that most people look right to uh, Team Canada, the defending champs, Brad Gushu's rink from Newfoundland and Labrador, although uh, they were kind of separated for a while. But their lead, Jeff Walker, lives in Alberta with his wife. The rest of the crew's in Newfoundland. So they all got to curl together at least through Christmas and thereabouts, and they would just grab spares to play lead. So they they probably play have played more than most everybody else, except for Jeff Walker, who then now they'll put back in the lineup. So maybe they won't be so quite rusty, most of them. Um, I look at a team like uh, Brendan Botcher's Alberta team. He's young. He All he does is throw rocks. Throw rocks, throw rocks, throw rocks. So I would expect him to come out pretty good. Same thing for this young kid in Saskatchewan, originally from Manitoba, Matt Dunstone. He's just a phenomenal player. I saw him here uh, in Stratford in, in the juniors years ago, and he was 19 or whatever, and I was like, this guy's pro-ready. Like, he's, for curling, he was like Connor McDavid or Austin Matthews. Like, get him in the lineup now. And he got into the men's game, and he played really, really well. I've seen him, uh, you know, just look like a, a veteran out there. So I think he's, he's like Brendan Bodger. He probably just threw like a million rocks. But also Team Saskatchewan got a little bit fortunate in that with the protocols in Saskatchewan, uh, they were looking for a place where they could play or practice even separately. And they found a little town somewhere where they could all live together um, and bubble. And then the curling club, which was closed, the manager said, I'll open it for you. I'll put ice in for you. So they practiced quite a bit. So that's a team to watch for because maybe they won't be so rusty. Um, a friend of the show and also a cool bet uh guy um john epping um representing ontario again what does he have to do don to to just get over that hurdle and win a championship it's just razor thin isn't it chris i mean because he does so much right this is the guy who uh if you watch like shots of the week at the end of the week he'll have three or four of the top 15 or 20 because he makes these angle raises and difficult shots that maybe even some of these other teams at this level wouldn't attempt they just but he makes them. So he's right there. I, I can't tell you that there's anything special that he has to do. Maybe be slightly more consistent. Maybe somebody who knows more about the game would be able to tell you, well, strategically, maybe this team needs to do this, that, or the other thing. I've, I've heard, you know, from time to time, uh, when we're talking about teams like that, what do they need to do? It's often um learn when to bail out of an end and play more defensively. So perhaps it's that, perhaps it's just, you know, keeping your stick on the ice, buddy, and keep driving on the net because one of these times is going to happen for him. Mm -hmm. Do the players miss the fans? Uh, they do, Steve. Uh, they certainly did at the Scotties, um, saying that it was quite weird 
to be in there and just have to be so silent because usually there's a buzz of a crowd. And when there are a number of games going on, maybe you're in the middle of your game in a, in a kind of an innocuous time, but on the she two sheets over, somebody just did something spectacular and the, the crowd erupts. So there's always some kind of buzzing and this and that. Uh, and the buzzing they heard, I guess, was the lights. And from the Scotties, <laughs> Sherry Anderson, the skip of Saskatchewan, said it was so quiet during one game, she heard a toilet flush on the concourse. <laughs> so that's that's really a lot different. And that would throw you off your game a little bit because it's just so unusual. So uh, they had to try and get used to it. And then in the final, again, I mean, you've got these great moments where the crowd would be coming to its feet and, and would really be lighting things up. Uh, and it just didn't happen. So that's something they're absolutely going to have to get used to. And, and I talked to Wayne Madaw about that. And he said, I, I think once we get going, it's just going to be all about the game. Because uh, to be honest, he said for him, even when he was playing, you know, in front of 17, 18,000 people at Northlands Coliseum or wherever he might have been for a briar, you kind of start to tune out the crowd a little bit. And I guess that's what we hear from uh, players in any game, right? When there's a big crowd is they kind of just, focus in on what they're doing and the rest of it, maybe they pick it up when they watch the replay on TV and go, wow, that was loud. I miss the bells. I'm going to have to give my kids a couple of bells and start ringing yeah. them when uh, the rocks go down the ice. Cowbells and also the uh, the moose calls that all the Northern Ontario fans make. They, make. they get coffee cans, apparently, and they drill a hole in. Like, they take the top off of one part, they leave the bottom on, they drill a hole, and then they, they pull ropes. You know those... You know what I'm talking about? That... <laughs> that you'll hear in the background that's just a coffee can and they pull rope through it and it just resonates and just this explosion of sound comes out of it can you imagine being uh, the, the guy sitting in front of the person who does that for the first time <laughs> you've never heard it before yeah uh hey let's talk about northern ontario brad jacobs why do i hate this guy so much i don't know you tell me i love him do you i, I just find I him do. obnoxious I, t I find the team a little obnoxious that's do all. you yeah i do Okay, but, well, like, just when, enough, when they're talking, I've heard I mean, before, but I like the fist pump and I like to come on, you know, when there's a great shot made. Some people, I think, uh, you know, uh, found that to be, yeah, uh, obnoxious or maybe a little too in your face, but I never thought he was being in your face to the opponents. I just thought he was just really excited about what he had done. So I've always quite liked him and, and the Harndons as well. And, uh, you know, so I hope they bring more of that uh, energy. And if they do, I'll enjoy it. Then I'll be thinking of you, Clarky, sitting Thank on you. your couch going, geez. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, wh why can't we have a seniors tour and curling on TV, like with Kevin Martin and Russ Howard and those guys? They must still throw, or do they? Do they do they curl at all anymore, Don? Do you know? I don't know. Uh, no, I, Kevin doesn't that I know no. of. Ah, that's too um, bad. Yeah, I think he got right out of it. Uh, Russ, I don't know that he throws Glenn, obviously still Glenn is yeah. what 57 or 58 and he's, yeah. you know, he could curl in the briar, but, um, I suppose if the dollars were there, then you would have that kind of thing. And it wouldn't even have to be, you know, massive dollars. It would just have mm -hmm. to be, yeah, we, we can earn some comfortable prize money that makes us feel good about practicing and things like that. And I miss know, those guys. What's that? I miss those guys. Oh Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we come is it, well, isn't it guys, isn't it like any other sport? You, you get used to players, you know, and you see them for a long time and you, you don't really want them to go away. And you, you don't think they ever will. And then all of a sudden they're retiring and your world is, is different. It's just uh, it's it's hard to take. I mean, 
I still miss Daryl Sittler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still so wish Daryl Sittler was playing. <laughs> yeah, I wish Paul Matier was still in that. Yeah. There you go. There, let's, can we talk about the Leafs for a sec, Don? They're hot. Sure. Uh, I know you're probably not watching hockey as much as you used to when you worked at the fan, but, boy, this is one of the best teams I've ever seen. And the last three games against Edmonton, um, they were so dominant. It was, yeah. in my mind, very scary. Unbelievable, huh? I, I mean, um, because that's a decent Edmonton team. I, I don't know that people would argue it's, you know, the second best team even in the division. Maybe people think Winnipeg is, but, you know, with that kind of firepower and what Connor McDavid is able to accomplish, and they held them pointless, didn't they, in three games? I mean, yep. shut them out twice. They could have shut out uh, the Edmonton owners three times with three different goaltenders. Yeah. There's this... Uh, there seems to be, you know, what they've got now is 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 like a great energy line, right? You've got to have the great shutdown line that's also an energy line, you know, and they have that, which might be really great for them in the playoffs. Should be great for them in the playoffs. I know that the team they think that they have, um, you know, uh, the right players and they have the right attitude when it comes to playing hockey without the puck. Huge, mm-hmm. right? And if they've overcome that hurdle, which has been one that they've had to overcome for years and years, um, boy, uh, they're just going to keep uh, rising in the charts. I mean, they're already one of the Stanley Cup favorites. It's, but in a weird year like this, it's hard to know how they match up against teams like Tampa and, and any of the other you know, powerful teams south of the border that you want to point to. You know, it's interesting uh, when they signed uh, Simmons and Thornton and talking about the veteran uh, players that are on there. I find one of the guys that has really been reinvigorated is Jason Spencer. Like, it is night and day compared to last season. Yeah. What's he got? Uh, like 15 points or something like that? He's, you know, he's it's a guy who, well, and then I watch Joe Thornton. I mean, you see these guys that are older and you go, man. Can't believe there's still something going on here. And Spezza, though, maybe was the kind of guy who people would have thought, ah, yeah, it's just kind of ending for him. Whereas maybe he didn't quite think that way about Joe Thornton. So to see him revitalized is is great because again, it's like you know a player that you've watched play for a long time and you don't want to see them go away. And it's it's nice to see him performing at a high level again because you know it's got to make him feel good. And he's he's a fun player to watch. He always has been. He'd probably play well with Daryl Sittler. He would. Who wouldn't? <laughs> who would not play well with Daryl Sittler? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and what do you think about the Blue Jays? They seem to be. Um, uh, they piled up. They uh, got Springer, who uh, seems to. They yeah. they hope to be a real superstar this year. Do you see them competing, Don? Uh, for a wild card, I suppose. Right. I mean, uh, at the top of the division, uh, Tampa, the Yankees. Uh, yeah, so for a wild card, sure, I can see them competing for that, and they look pretty good, top to bottom in the lineup. And I was just, I was reading um, an article on them on Athlon Sports today, and and a uh, an opposing scout uh, was talking about how impressed they were with Blue Jays at the plate. And you think about that, they have good discipline at the plate. They've got good power. They don't chase bad pitches an awful lot as a group, that sort of thing. And so. That's going to uh, take them a long way. I don't know a lot about their pitching, except that people tell me that that's a sneaky good rotation and uh, and a sneaky good bullpen too. So we'll see what they can become. But certainly, I think everyone had to be uh, energized uh, in the offseason when they got Springer, to, you know, and signed him to a long term contract. 
for a couple of reasons. One, he's a great player, and he'll hold down center field for them, but uh, also because don't you think Blue Jay fans were starting to really wonder if anybody like that would sign with the team again or were they going to be able to make a big free agent splash in any way? And it was frustrating, I think, in a lot of ways for a lot of people. And so uh, that uh, is uh, enough to give you some renew- renewed hope and, and, and that they played pretty decently well in a weird season last year and got into the playoffs. Really, I look at Toronto's success early being situational. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how a, the team with some of the new additions respond to certain situations because baseball is one of those games where you know one play can make the difference for the entire nine innings. Oh, absolutely, uh, it can. And it's how how are you going to react to those situations? Because we've seen it a million times, Steve, haven't we, in baseball? And that is, you know, the, the one little crack in the door that becomes the big inning. So it's like, you know, opening the door, a crack like that, but then slamming it shut again. So, yeah, we're going to find out a lot, uh, I guess, in the early part of the season. And we're going to see how this team grows into those situations as well, because that will be important as well. The good thing being that at least they had the pressure cooker of, albeit, you know, a weird season last year and an extra playoff spot granted you know at least they have that crucible of playoff baseball in some shape or form that I think is also helpful to to some of these young players that are coming back to have tasted that kind of experience but in the early going yeah if they let things kind of get away from them then the rest of the season is going to be about continued growth and isn't 2022 going to be great and they hope that that doesn't happen that they keep uh, taillights in sight in the early uh, part of the season because if they do that, then you're going to have to get really excited by the time we get past the trade deadline, I think. And 2022 is the year, I think, on that most people have circled where they will try and aggressively upgrade that rotation. Yeah, maybe it is sneaky good, but Hyunjin Ryu is the only sure thing there. Just heard literally today as we record this show that Nate Pearson's got a groin injury. Uh, he looked really good in his first for, uh, spring training stint throwing 99 miles an hour. Now he's got a groin problem. If that persists throughout the year, that dampens an already I'll call it somewhat weak rotation. But one thing I'm interested about, Don, and I'd love your take on this too, is, I mean, even though the team is significantly better in terms of the outfield, adding a guy like Springer, there are still a lot of question marks on the infield. And this was a team dogged by bad fundamentals at times last year. They bring in Semi in. They've got a shortstop who's really good, was third in MVP voting team years ago they're going to play him at second they got a second baseman in Biggio going to go over and play third they think they'll play Vladdy at first sometimes and I guess Bo Bichette will play shortstop until he proves maybe he can't like there's a lot going on yeah. on their infield I'd like to see Vladimir Guerrero at shortstop that's what I want to see I want to see if the big <laughs> big man has any kind of range at all and he's lost a lot of weight Well, yeah, and that's good too. Yeah. So, I mean, you move pieces around and sometimes uh, things work out for the best. And if they don't, then you move them back. I mean, that's a frustrating answer maybe. And I, you know, I'm sorry for that, but people do find me frustrating sometimes because I do kind of shrug a little bit and go, ah, try it out. See what works. If it doesn't, you you go back uh, to to something else. Uh, But that's just genuinely how I feel about these kinds of things. I never get too bent out of shape when when positions are changed, uh, when batting lineups are changed, when, uh, you know, arm slots are changed, you know, because it might work, it might not. And, but 
it's another question mark for a team that has a bunch of question marks. But I'll put it to you this way. The question marks that they have, at least the, the you know, they're not coming off sentences that are yelled at you as giant questions, right? This is a team on the upswing that has not whispered question marks, but just, you know, normal volume of uh, conversation uh, sentences with question marks at the end of it. It's a good place to be because you expect that things are just going to continue to get better and better and better. And it's a far cry from where they were, you know, uh, soon after the playoff run a few years ago, or certainly in the years prior to it. Absolutely. Sorry. Go ahead. Um, I, I know this topic is near and dear to your heart. Um, I don't know if you're former or current PA announcer for the Argonauts. You can update me on that, but former, are you, former, sorry. Uh, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you not want the update right now? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 that's fine. Um, former PA announcer for the Toronto Argonauts. Are you as happy as I am that they finally went back to that boat logo? Hallelujah. Yeah. Hallelujah. The football with the sale and the a, and they cleaned it up. Uh, what I always thought about that logo, uh, Chris, was how beautiful it was, but also that it was a little slapdash. And it was, if you look at it. So what they've, they've changed it now. The coloring's a little bit different, but they've made it just look a little crisper. I've always mm-hmm. thought that was one of the great logos in the entirety of the sports world on mm-hmm. planet Earth. Just tremendous logoing. Uh, so it's good that they went back to it. I don't mind the A with the shield, though. I mean, it looks pretty good. You know, it says it all. A, we've got a shield. We're coming at you where the R goes. But yeah. it, it's good that they went back to it. And so you not think there'll be a CFL? Sittler, Sorry, so go not ahead, Steve. You missed uh, Daryl Sittler, but you missed Pinball Clemens as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, or if I'm going to go back to, I guess, Argo era for Daryl Sittler, I guess I'm missing, you know, Condridge Hall. Well, no, I'd have to go back before that, wouldn't I? I'd no, have to, 80. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, probably. Chuck Ely. probably. Joe Theismann. Joe Theismann. Guys <laughs> like that. Joe Terry Theismann. Nash. That's right. Hank Alisic. Big Z. Zen and Andrews. Zen and Andrews edition. Yeah. These guys now, I guarantee Ryan and Steve have never heard the name yeah, Zen and Andrews edition ever, uh, ever before. Hey, what you are guys, these guys talking about? Yeah. You guys ever heard of Tom Brady? I, I uh, you know. <laughs> um, Yes, I watched the Brady Bunch constantly when I was yeah. a kid. Such a, such a yeah. good show. Seven-time yeah. best show ever. Um, <laughs> I wanted to ask you as well, speaking of the Argos and obviously your your dedicated history with them, Don, what does their future hold? That's kind of a hard question to answer, but given what's going on with the Toronto sports scene right now, the Jays are coming back into focus. The Leafs are really, really good for the first time in ever uh the raptors recently won a title sorry clarky it's true they're they've been terrible <laughs> ever. They're, yeah, they're really good now they're really good after 16 years um but what about the argos that like they already kind of get lost in the shuffle i know we're not that far removed from their last title but just given everything that's being talked about with potentially a new Jays stadium, what's going to happen with the Argos? What is the future of this team? Because they've had a lot of issues attendance-wise and just relevance-wise the last little while. It's hard to say. I mean, I can t- I'll just keep holding out hope. It's, it's a sport that I dearly love, passionately, and have since I was a young man. I mean, it's one of the things I continue to do to this day is I'm a regular contributor to CFL.ca as a columnist. I've been to many great cups as a reporter. It's just 
It's it's the thing that I'm probably most passionate about is the Canadian Football League and, and curling falls uh, just, you know, right in behind it. But so I keep holding out hope and it's it's and I, I've also been hearing for 30 or 35 years that the Argos are dead. So 30 or 35 years, I just keep hearing that. So uh, I, I'll believe it if and when I see it. I will hope for better days ahead for the Argos, for the Canadian Football League in its entirety, because uh, it would break my heart to not have that team uh, you know, playing from year to year. It would break my heart for that league to, to come to harm. So it's, it's very difficult. I mean, a lot of people in Toronto, I get it. They want to play. Los Angeles and New York and Chicago. They don't mind playing Ottawa and Edmonton, but that's if those teams are also playing Los Angeles and New York and Chicago. So you've got to battle that, and that's very difficult to do. Uh, hopefully, Pinball Clemens's personality is electric enough to overcome that. You know, Don, one of my favorite sporting events of all time uh, attending was the Grey Cup between Toronto and Edmonton. Uh, Flutie, Pinball, Rocket, Gizmo on the other side. What are some of the highlights for you in the CFL? Oh, there's so many. I mean, uh, it's, it's like just a, a billion of them. I'm, I clearly remember covering my first Grey Cup as a radio reporter when I was working in Ottawa. That was 1988. It was a brilliant game. The next year, I was working for another radio station and was on the field uh, in the uh, well, just behind the end zone, where the field goal was kicked by Dave Ridgeway to end what is still, to to my mind, the greatest Grey Cup game ever played, 1989 Saskatchewan beat Hamilton 43-40. Those things immediately pop. As a young man who was growing up in Toronto, 1983, I, I'm, I, Chris is going to back me up on this, oh, I'm sure. Yeah, because at that time the Argos were still big. Um, they hadn't won the Grey Cup in 31 years, and there was just this massive emotional outburst in Toronto yeah. over this. And I remember uh, skipping school. I was a Humber College uh, radio student at the time and went to the parade, and it was just uh, it was tremendous. So that one sticks out for me, too. Yeah, I'll never forget the that Grey Cup game. I was a big Conrad Holloway fan, guys, and uh, Conrad didn't play well in the first half. And they brought they were platooning Joe Barnes and Conrad Holloway throughout the whole season. Joe Barnes came in in the second half, and I'll never forget the little five yard or so pass to Cedric Minter as he backed into the end zone to win the, that Grey Cup. That was the first Toronto team that I cheered for to win a championship, and it was it was unbelievable. I went to the airport that night. And, and welcome them back to Toronto. It was packed. It was. I don't. Did you go too, Don? Like, I did not know that about you. No. Oh, I didn't know oh you yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Huge Argo fan. And uh, the parade. People were hanging off the the traffic lights. Like people yeah. climbing the poles. It was a crazy, crazy ticker tape parade downtown Toronto. And uh, it now it wait a second. That's you were. Did I hear you say you were rooting? For, that was the first Toronto team you rooted. For to win a championship? No, 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 no. That was the first Toronto team that I rooted for that actually won oh. a championship. The Gosh. other ones didn't win anything, Don. <laughs> True. No, I remember. That, that was what I was trying to say. I I, I know, but the, but the Leafs had a guy named Daryl Sittler. Do you remember him? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and Mike Palmatier. And they won squat. <laughs> but they, they came close. To watch. They came close. They beat the Islanders in seventy. How are you with this, Ryan and Steve? Are you enjoying the old guys uh, reminiscing? No, this is perfect. <laughs> you, know you, you talk about uh, uh, being Argos fans. When I went to that Great Cup at Iverwin, me and my buddy, fresh out of uh, 
fresh out of college, um, head to toe Argos gear. And my buddy says to me, you know, we got real good seats for this game. So I'm thinking, okay, we'll have decent sight lines. We ended up square in the box seats in the middle of the field, surrounded by Thai cat people. <laughs> we were the only two Argos fans within about a 10 yard radius. And those Thai cat fans would have been uh, in a very good mood because the Argos were winning a great cup in their building and used their dressing room. Yeah, I can imagine that would have been. And it, but now, how did you enjoy the weather? Because it was like, it was just it's, snowy. You know, it, was it was fantastic. I mean, it, it was snowing, but it wasn't cold. Uh, and in fact, you know, I give credit where credit is due. We were kept uh, pumped full of hot chocolate and chicken wings because the crew that had their seats were all bringing uh, food in and stuff and they shared. And uh, now digging out the car after the game was another <laughs> situation, but it was, it was quite the experience. It was just hot chocolate, Steve. Is that it? It was, it was hot <laughs> chocolate. Yeah, right. Nothing hot else. chocolate. Hot Code chocolate word. with rum chata. Yeah, hot chocolate with rum chata, maybe. Well, Steve, that's good that, hey, they shared their wings with you. You didn't have too bad a time in the tiger cage, did you? Uh, no, Don, <laughs> we really appreciate you doing this. We're looking forward to the Briar after a great Scotty's Tournament of Hearts, and it was great to chat uh, Toronto sports scene with you as well for, for the brief time I was here for it, at least. Uh, we really appreciate you doing this. Uh, Don Landry, he is a freelance columnist and broadcaster, longtime morning man on the fan, of course, and you can catch his work, like he said, at CFL.ca. Steve? Yeah, and you know what? When we get junior hockey back on the scope, now that we know where Don has landed, uh, we'll have to bring him on for our uh, junior hockey yes. broadcast. Love to. Love to. This was a lot of fun, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And uh, good curling. <laughs> yes, <laughs> sir. You've been waiting I've, all all show for that, haven't you, Don? I like value it to the broadcast. That's good. I like you guys. Better than your art. <laughs> don't chirp the painting clarky come on now all right we'll take a quick break here when we come back an nhl superstar gets a fine and the leafs boy oh boy they just torched the oilers this past week we'll talk about that and more coming up next here on mwo sports brought to you by coolbet.co this is mwo sports Welcome back to MWO Sports, brought to you by CoolBet.co. Ryan Drury still alongside Clarky and Steve Sabrin. I promise I won't go anywhere this time. We were very happy to have our friend Don Landry on, who is a freelance columnist and broadcaster, and of course, longtime morning man on Fan 590. That was a great chat. And guys, I know uh, we dug into this a little bit already with Don, just talking about the Leafs and, you know, Clarky, despite my jab to you earlier, uh, just how good they really are. I mean, this is an extremely talented team, man. And I mean... <sighs> With arguments from outside fans, you know, arguing the weakness of the division aside and whatever, boy, oh boy, this team is just locked in right now. And they just dummied Connor McDavid and company across three games. What was the combined score? 13 1 or so, just a disgusting display. Uh, really bad luck for the Oilers, but holy, the Leafs. When's the last time you can remember, Clarky, them looking this good as a team? Never. Honestly, really? never. This is 90, the best team. 93? 
No, this team's better right now. They have more firepower than that 93. That 93 team played as a team. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But now that line, that, you know, that checking line, the hem line, whatever you want to call it, um, Engvall and, and Mikheyev and, and Hyman. And, and the, like Hyman was the best player in nearly all three of the games. Yeah. Like he got right into Mike Smith's face there the last couple of games. He didn't play the first game, Smith, but, um, you know, Smith took a couple of penalties on Hyman. Um, it, it's just amazing what they did. Remember, the Oilers came into this series four points behind Toronto with a chance of sweeping them and moving ahead in the standings. Now they're 10 points back and in the rearview mirror. They're done. They're not going to catch the Leafs now unless something really drastic happens. Um, Winnipeg has now moved into second place. Um, but the Leafs win three games, nearly shut them out three times with three different goalies. Even Michael Hutchinson, my buddy, gets a shutout. Like, Colorado maybe should never have given this guy up. Oh, um, <laughs> Hold on just a no, sec. But, like, th- I, honestly, these last three games, and I know I'm an you know, um, emotional roller coaster with this team, but these last three mm. games, I just sat back and thought, wow. It, like, Connor McDavid didn't get a point in three games. Dreisaitl got one point in three games. They totally shut those guys down. In the past, maybe if the Leafs won three games in a row, it would be 7-6. You know as well mm-hmm. as I do. That was the way they played. They played a heck of a defensive game in all three games. Um, and the goalies look great. I'm, I'm a little concerned that Campbell's hurt again. But uh, And then Thursday tonight, as we record, they're playing uh, in Vancouver. And uh, I guess Hutchinson's expected to start because they didn't want to go back-to-back with Freddie. So we'll see what happens tonight. And tonight is a big game because coming off that high of three games, you got to get refocused and, and, and play well tonight to really hammer um, that North division. Are they the best team in the national hockey league? Yeah, you're right, Ryan. A lot of team or a lot of fans are saying the North division is weak. We're never going to know until the conference finals and, and, and when they get out, like we're never going to know, but all I know is one thing they're in first place and they are, they're moving fast in first place and, and, and widening the gap. You know, it's, um, you got to remember too, Austin Matthews missed time in that series as well. Right. Yep. So yeah. Games. Goal score wasn't in there. Yeah. Um, I have a problem with the whole quote unquote weakest division in hockey statement mm-hmm. because every division has their teams that don't do well. Um, anybody see what Buffalo's doing lately? Not a whole lot. So, I mean, every division has teams that are not performing up to snuff. So, you know, it could be the fact that the Leafs are just that good. Because, come on, you took on a team that had two of probably the top three players in the NHL in Dreisaitl and McDavid and, and shut them down. You can't tell me that a bad team can do that, you know, three games in a row. So, um I think this series was a tipping point for the Leafs in the season. They were either going to go into Edmonton and crap out and start the downhill slide or B, come out ahead and it's full throttle now. Um, it's Yeah, it's going to be tough for anybody to A, catch the Leafs or B, beat them. Yeah, they've set themselves up really well. And like you said, Clark, it's got to be some kind of an NHL record beating the same opponent three times with three different goalies. I mean, I, I 
off the top of my head, I can't think of an instance like that. Mind you, the schedule this year has yeah. offered opportunities like that. It's still a neat stat line that I'm sure mm-hmm. Lee fans will hold on to for a while doing that to Connor McDavid. And I mean, I think that that three game series speaks to Edmonton's continued roster depth problems. It's they are still a ways off from being a complete team like the Leafs appear to be. I guess my defense, not even defense, and I'm not even agreeing with naysayers of the Leafs success because they seem to be the team that other people love to pick on. Um, And and. I think that their success and what they're doing this year is warranted. I guess if I look around, I I would say the division with LA and Arizona in it, that's a pretty weak division. Um, It's got its good teams, of course, like St. Louis, but I guess if you stack the four best Canadian teams, assuming we're calling it Toronto, Edmonton, Winnipeg and Montreal, I guess Calgary, I'll say Calgary. I guess if you stack it up against a a Boston, Philly, Washington, New York Islanders, sure, top to bottom, I think the East is tougher. Sure, but then you've got two right, and Pitt is Pitt is floating around. The Rangers are, you know. They're dangerous one night; they're horrific the next. And then, of course, you've got the Devils who have. Yeah, they've been okay. And then, of course, you've got the Sabres, which is just, I mean, the worst tire fire in pro hockey right now. I can't believe what's going on. It's just a disaster. Um, yeah, even the Senators have more points than the Sabres. The se- and, and the Senators, you know, to their to their credit, I think have, have largely, well, it's inarguable. I think they've outplayed the Sabres, albeit in two different divisions. They've been better. They're getting contributions from more guys consistently work across the lineup. They work very hard. DJ Smith, we knew they have that to, was going right? to be. Yeah, that's the that's the way that they have to be in order to yeah. be somewhat successful. Whereas you look at a lineup like the Sabers and think Jack Eichel, ten million dollars, Jeff Skinner, eight or nine million dollars, Taylor Hall, eight well, million dollars. I think between the three of them, they have two even strength goals. Two. Like how crazy isn't that crazy? Yeah, and Jeff Skinner is not even playing. He's benched. He hasn't been playing. Ralph Kruger is lighting his career on fire with a match right now. I mean, they brought this guy in, and I thought it was good hire at the time. To be honest, make you know introduce some new ideas, and has been successful at a number of different levels. But he's got to be the next coach gone. In the national, he, I don't even like know I, like, who else is close. Like the Claude Julian thing surprised me. Uh, I'm not that close to Montreal. I thought they wouldn't even make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I didn't think they did last year, but the uh, the league decided to put them in. Uh, I was talking to Pooley today and uh, gave him a couple of jabs um, with his prediction of second place. And who knows? Maybe they'll come back after this. They have yeah. a new goalie coach now. So Carey Price is really running the ship up there in my mind. I think he got Julian fired. Now he's got his goalie coach fired. They brought in a new guy to work with him i don't know i don't know that he got those people fired but i certainly think that you could say that sean burke is now the goaltending coach because of lackluster play over the last three four years i mean yeah what else can you do but if carrie price's save percentage is 920 they're not in the position they are and claude julian doesn't get fired but yeah yeah you're right you're right indirectly you gotta watch out for is winnipeg um yep they're the team that's sneaky Yeah, yeah, they got a and, great goalie, and they're starting to click. Yep, they're getting their points where they need to get their points, and I mean, I still think they're 
they're not as deep as the Leafs. Not well, they're nine deep. points back, but they have two games in hand. But they're nine points back. Leafs have a nine-point lead over second place. And that was their goal, right? We remember mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year, that's what Dubas said, was their goal was to finish in first place, to set themselves up properly for a good playoff run with good positioning. So they're doing it. They're They're accomplishing their goal for sure. They certainly are. They look I, really, now, really good. Now, Kiprios, you know, I like Nick, but I would not give up Nick Robertson for Sam Bennett. Sorry, I wouldn't do it. I don't think Sam Bennett's that good. And I, like, yeah, he would offer some sandpaper, but if you're going to get a guy like that, is it really going to cost you Nick Robertson? I don't know. I, I they don't, It's they a don't tough spot, win. though. They don't. I. Why would they need Sam Bennett right now? They've got an energy line that can do it. I, I agree, Steve. It I, appears I tend that to way. Yeah. And McKayev, like, and like that was an interesting race yesterday for a puck. And I know, I, I sorry, I don't know if Connor McDavid was at the end of the shift, but McKayev was like right beside him the whole way down the ice, chasing the puck. And everyone was like, whoa, McKayev's pretty quick if he's out skating or skating the same as uh, Connor McDavid. So, you yeah. know what? It goes back to the old saying is you got to learn how to win. And the Leafs are learning. And that's dangerous for other teams. It certainly is. And I mean, the other the other side of that coin is you got to learn how to lose and recover. They've gone through that period. Now it's time to build on a positive foundation here. And I think that they are certainly playing to a degree where they are setting themselves up to be able to do that. Uh, really quick, uh, some news today on my favorite boy uh, back there on the wall. Old Ovi got himself another career fine. Not bad. I think he's up to about $25,000, which seems kind of silly. I mean, fines in professional sports leagues are uh, insignificant. I shouldn't say they're insignificant. They go to the the players' uh, fund, uh, players' assistance fund. They could bump them up a little bit. But What did he boy, do he, now? He Oh, boy, he took his stick and took a good piece out of young Trent Frederick on the Boston Bruins the other night. Now I personally think it was $5,000 well spent. Uh, the kid was bugging him all night. He crossed the referee. Now there, at least the referee took both them to the box. I thought at the time only Ovi was getting a penalty because they let Trent Frederick cross check him 780 times, almost as many goals as he has. But uh, yeah. And then he turned around and gave him a pretty stiff. How do you do a, a little cup check as they call it? And he, and and I agreed with the penalty and I agree with the, with the fine uh, suspension. Any talk of a suspension is ridiculous. Um, I will say though, that I find it interesting. And I always, as a Homer caps fan have to bring it up. Uh, the OV Sid dichotomy. You guys will remember this and you can go find the clip. It's very findable on YouTube. I believe it was two seasons ago. Sidney Crosby did this to Ryan O'Reilly. It was the year that St. Louis won the cup. He yep. did this to Ryan O'Reilly from behind going for a puck. And he he got the Godrich native pretty good. And there wasn't a whisper about it. Mm. And I uh, that always ticks me off. Mm. And it's not just it. It just seems some guys get get fines and other guys can do whatever they want and they skate I, away because they're a good guy. I so, got to tell you. I got to tell you. I did that once in a men's league game <laughs> to a guy that was oh, bugging me. Lucky. He was bugging me like you wouldn't believe. He was backing into the crease. And he was backing into the crease to knock the net off. Like he was like, so finally I said to the ref, if you're not going to take care of this, I'm sorry, but I am. He did it again, and boom, right where the sun don't shine. And you know what? I felt awful 
And I apologized to the guy. I said I shouldn't have done that because <laughs> it's a it's not a great thing to do to a dude, right? It's like it's not. <laughs> it's just not. <laughs> hey, you warned the ref, man. You you warned him. I did. I absolutely did. You know. Anyway, oh, it's the wild west out there sometimes, Clarky. And I'll just say, I'll just uh, I'll take your side and say it was justified. I didn't get fined. Uh, you didn't get fined. No video um, evidence. I'm sure Ovi's going to be fine. He's going to sign a big new contract at the end of the year. So five thousand dollars well spent to the Russian machine. All right, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll wrap things up as always with our wagering expert, Chris Abbott. I have been sprinkling some dollars on MLB futures. I want Chris's opinion on those coming up next here on MWO Sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. This is MWO Sports. Welcome back to wrap things up here on MWO Sports for the week. Ryan Drury alongside Clarky and Steve Saburn. Pleased to be joined as always by our wagering expert, Chris Abbott. How are you, Chris? I'm doing good, fellas. How are we doing this week? We are doing very good. well, my friend. Now I know Clarky has yeah, a question well, he needs to pose to you right away. He's got money well, burning a hole in his pocket. Clarky. Well, we spent a lot of the show talking about the Scotties and then the Briar. Who's the favorite? Who's your dark horse? And where's your boy, Cool Bet's own John Epping, going to end up? Okay, so um, my favorite, and I had nothing to do, or, or the favorite, and I had nothing to do with this, but it's Newfoundland and Labrador's Brad Gushu, the mm -hmm. champion from last year. Uh, they're Team Canada this year, so there's actually going to be two teams out of Newfoundland there. Uh, but they're the betting favorite at about plus 230. Uh, now, Team Epping opened around plus 500 they've since uh seen their odds go up actually to about plus 750 and the reason for that is kevin cooey's team opened at about five uh, plus 500 as well and we just saw a ton of action come in on them uh they were team canada last year obviously kevin cooey's always there uh when it comes down to it so they've uh, gone from like plus 500 to plus 300 since the odds have opened and that's that's fairly significant movement and then of course you've got brad jacobs team there uh and brendan botcher uh you know all the all the usual favorites so um, obviously, I've got to put money down on on my friends from Team Epping. Like they're legitimately friends of mine now uh, after the relationship. So I'd I'd be uh, excommunicated if I didn't do that. But in terms of who I think would win and where I think the value is, uh, you know, Brandon Botcher's uh, plus four fifty has been in the final for the last three years. Uh, so I think that's a pretty good pick. And then there's a bet on uh, Northern Ontario to finish in the top three at minus one eighteen, and I think that's I think that's a pretty good play as well. When Mark Kennedy's on, he's uh, he's the best in the game, so uh, it's hard to hard to pick against those guys. It's going to be a great tournament. Now, speaking of some futures here, I have been having a, a nice little run for myself this year so far with our friends from CoolBet, and I decided the other day to sprinkle some some change, some loose change, if you will, on some future bets here, and I'd love your opinion on them. First of all, uh, I don't think this one will hit, but the value is so good. I laid down some money on George Springer for AL MVP. It's paying t plus 2,500. I mean, I, I threw a couple bucks down on that. I mean, I think that that's a, a, a decently safe play that could pay off nicely for myself, Chris. What do you think of that? I don't hate it. Was he the highest Blue Jay? He, he must have been close. He, he's the highest Blue Jay, yeah. Yeah, so... Then I, 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 
I don't hate that because, you know, he was part of like a conglomerate of guys in Houston and, and, you know, cheating or not, whatever. Um, he's still a really, really good ball player and he's a clutch ball player. And if it gets into the, you know, the dog days and the Jays uh, need some big moments to push themselves into, uh, into the wildcard spot or, or even into the division where they're their second favorite behind the Yankees right now. Um, I, I, I can buy that. I mean, for me, I think, uh, this is, you know, when I try and think about free agent acquisitions, the blue Jays have made in the last 20 years, this has got to be right up there. I mean, the Ryu signing was big last year. This is a big get. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I think it's worth it. At plus 2,500, I think it's decent. I'm a little more confident in my next one for NL MVP. Plus 2,000, I mean, Manny Machado, I think that's a slam dunk. I, I don't think it's a slam dunk. He wins MVP, but that bet is just way too enticing. Playing for the Slam Diego Padres, I, I think that he could have a potentially big year. Cy Young, I laid some money down at plus 1,300 on Blake Snell also joining the Slam Diego core there. I, I we, he's done it in the AL. He'd be one of few guys to go and do it in the NL as well. And then Hyunjin Ryu, who won best left-handed pitcher in all of baseball last year, he's playing. He's paying plus fifteen hundred to win AL Cy Young. And then uh, in terms of home runs. This is a great value bet. Matt Olson of my Oakland Athletics at plus twenty three hundred. There are a few guys that have the pop that he does and. I mean, if he's healthy after a, a, a pretty down year for himself last year, plus 2,300, I'm, I'm looking to make some money there on Matty O. Um, okay, so the Blake Snell pick I like uh, because we talk about what he did. He did that in, in the toughest division to pitch in in baseball um, when it comes to hitters and parks you play in. So um, I don't mind that at all. I'm a big Blake Snell guy myself. I don't think I like the Machado pick. Uh, one, I don't like Machado uh, as a player, as it is, but that's oh, a whole other a conversation. He's yeah. so dirty. But I don't think he's the, you know, I don't know that he's going to be the MVP on his own team. So I think it's really hard to to take him for the league there. But, um, hey, he has the talent. If he could put it together for an entire season, there's no doubt about that. Um, I mean, you're, you're betting with your heart on Matt Olson there. But, hey, everyone, everyone likes an underdog. It's plus 2,300, man, and Matty O, he can crank him with that beautiful swing. We'll see if it works out. I'll let you know, of course, if I win any money. Uh, all right, we really appreciate everybody listening to and watching the show. Remember, we're on Fridays just after 6 on CKNX, AM 920 and CKNX.ca. Unless the Leafs play on a Friday at 7, we will air just after 5.30, leading into Leafs pregame at 6.30. Remember, we air every Leafs game on CKNX and the pregame show. So make sure you tune in for that. We're on all the best podcast apps. We're on social media at MWO underscore sports. Of course, you can watch us on YouTube now debuting Friday nights at nine and watch the show with our friends on Whiteman TV Friday nights at eight Sunday nights at nine. I'm Ryan Drury. That's Clarky. That is Steve Sabrin, our wagering expert, Chris Abbott. And for our friend, Don Landry, make sure to check out his work on CFL.ca. We appreciate you listening to and watching MWO sports brought to you by CoolBet.co. Hey, everyone. Thanks for continuing to tune into the show. Uh, Ryan Drury and Clarky here. Uh, we may look a little different, obviously, uh, but we felt that it was prudent to uh, just punch in and uh, talk about some really sad news in the sports world. Uh, obviously, uh, we learned shortly after recording this week's show that uh, we lost Walter Gretzky, um, Canada's hockey dad. 
at the age of 82. Um, obviously, extremely sad news. Clarky, he was a legendary figure. He was battling a lot of different health issues, had a, had a long battle with Parkinson's. Um, and, and Wayne, obviously, sharing the news last night. Um, just talk a little bit about what you remember best about Walter and, and really what he meant to the sport and really this country. Yeah, well, first and foremost, it's 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 nice that Wayne and and the uh, his his family shared him as the hockey dad because he really was like uh, I met him a few times and just such a gracious guy, um, always willing to talk to you. Um, if you wanted a picture with him and you were taking a picture, say of you and and your kids or whatever, he would get someone else, just someone walking by to say, no, no, you need to be in the picture. Let this stranger take a picture of all of us. He always thought of that. And he always carried around um, pictures of of, uh, Wayne um, or himself signed. And he would hand them out constantly. And he would, he would just be autographing them before the Parkinson's came in. And he had a stroke or um, an aneurysm, I think, back in 91, if I'm not mistaken. And it affected him. Um, I think that was the date. Um, apologies if it's not right. But um, it, it affected his handwriting. So he would write out stuff before he would get out and have them in his pocket and hand them all out. But just an amazing guy. Um, you know, my daughter, who obviously didn't see Wayne Gretzky play hockey, um, knew Walter. And she would text me if she was at an event or if she was at wherever she was. And if Walter was there, all she would text me is Walter's here. Just, just one of those kind of guys. He, he's a kind of guy who reminded me of Johnny Bauer, just, just a real genuine guy. Um, and it's, it's sad for sure. Um, never seemed to want the spotlight, but never shied away from it because he knew that he was a guy that people wanted to talk to. And he, he uh, always loved talking to people. So yeah, it was a real, it was a shot in the gut for sure last night. And then a, a knife to the heart this morning. So absolutely. They actually made a movie, a a little documentary about Walter and his battle back from that aneurysm called waking up Wally. Uh, If you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. And Chris, like you mentioned, then we wake up to more sad news in the broadcasting world, uh, football legend and great broadcaster and really popular guy up here in Canada on TSN, Chris Schultz passing away of a heart attack at the age of 61. Uh, you knew Schultz pretty well. Um, just talk a bit about what him and what he meant to not only the broadcasting industry up here, but just all of his friends. There's not many guys who I can say I definitely had an influence on bringing them into the broadcasting world. And he was still playing for the Argonauts at the time. And I was, as uh, I've said many times, I was a big Argo fan. And just going to the, uh, I was working for the fan at the time in the mid nineties and going down to the dressing room. And I knew Mike McCarthy, the general manager and Mike introduced me to some of the players. And this guy, Chris Schultz, he's six foot eight. He had hands the size of like they're huge hands. And he did not shy away from grabbing your hand and squeezing it quite hard uh, when given the opportunity. Um, And we just had, we just started getting him on, on the fan at the time I was the executive producer at the fan. And we just started easing him in with Mike Hogan, um, talking football and he was excellent at it. It's funny because Schultz, he never, never wanted to do TV, never had any, like he, he, in fact, like said, never, I'm never doing TV. Well, we know he did, uh, for TSN for years and was really good about it. Um, but I'll miss him a lot. And, um, we, we talked, um, not too long ago and I know he was struggling with some health issues at the time he lost his father recently. And, uh, he wasn't doing great, but this is not not right for a 61-year-old guy to, to go the way he did. So he'll I, I'll miss him a lot for sure. 
Absolutely. And the broadcasting world and football fans here in Canada will certainly miss him as well. Uh, like, like you said, Chris, I can't say it much better than that. Um, rest in peace to Walter Gretzky and uh, rest in peace, Chris Schultz. Thank you for listening to and watching MWO Sports, everybody. We'll be back next week.